You're listening to the Tuesday Talks podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. Featuring our senior success manager, Natalie LaFerrier, we tackle some of the frequently asked questions our client engagement team gets on number reputation management strategies, including branded calling additions and best practices for how to successfully set up your calling campaigns and why it's important to ongoingly monitor them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday Talks podcast, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and communications industry. I'm Molly Weiss, the VP of Marketing and Communications at Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with our Senior Success Manager, Natalie LaFerriere. Let's welcome her to her first time on our podcast. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Thanks, Molly. It's great to be here. It's great to have you today. And I hope none of you out there miss Rebecca and Anise too much today, but we've got a full agenda packed with frequently asked questions we see on our client engagement side. So we're gonna focus today's episode digging into best practices for phone number management, namely how to set your campaigns up for success by properly structuring them from the beginning to keep number hygiene in check as you go along. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our first question here about number procurement. When we're trying to decide what kind of phone numbers to use for our business, will local area code numbers generate a higher answer rate than toll-free? Does it matter? That's a great question. And there are many studies out there that will tell you that using a local caller ID will increase your contact rates, therefore increasing your total sales. And while there's historically been some indication of an increase in people willing to pick up the phone if they see a local number versus an 800 number, I would actually suggest that there's a much more important factor at play these days that have shifted the scales. The biggest now being your brand's reputation. That's a great point, Natalie. Um, And when it comes to that brand reputation, let's go into our next question of how can I improve my chances of preventing negative reputation and staying out of that spam labeling territory? Ah, yes. Let's talk about what's driving that labeling. So each of the partners have their own algorithms for identifying nuisance calls and for blocking calls. So they each weight factors differently in those algorithms. For example, one partner might rely heavily on call volumes and call patterns and your list hygiene, where another partner may rely more heavily on crowdsourced information. And some partners even extract data from the FTC and the FCC databases. So this is all factored into those ratings. And it's really their own secret sauce It's not consistent across the partners. So the exact same dialing strategy can result in different tagging or labeling across all the partners in the calling ecosystem. So there's no standard and no consistency among those ratings. And it's also important to keep in mind that algorithms are not human. So they dump your call into a scoring system and grade your number as spam or not. So let's talk some more about these patterns that we're seeing there. You mentioned these algorithms aren't human, and I think that's a great point to keep in mind here. Um, The next question let's throw in here is, how does my dialing strategy come into play here then? Are all dialers or dialer platforms created equal? Uh, Good question. So, and the way way your dialing does come into play uh, with how the algorithms will score you. So hygiene can become tied to so many different things. Some of those include how often are you calling the same customers, your abandonment rate that you set your dialer to, are you max attempting your lists and then letting them rest? You know, we suggest 90 days between lists to make sure that uh, those leads have an opportunity to rest. How often are you contacting customers in the same day? 
We use a rule of thumb not to redial a number more than two or three times a day. Definitely not redialing numbers more than every three to four hours in the day. Um, are you dialing right before a time zone is closing? Are you keeping your dials consistent through the month? So one thing that this comes up a lot in the conversations that we have, and we always suggest that you keep the phone dials that you make on one line under 2,000 per day and under a max of 50 to 70,000 a month. Now, some other things that we would suggest, you know, don't just use one phone number for various departments or call reasons. Uh, make sure the number that you outpost, outpost is a proper 10-digit number that can be redialed and provide a consistent and accurate calling party name. That one's really important. And lastly, and I'd say obviously the most important one is to follow all the TCPA and the DNC guidelines. So really good summary. It's a lot to keep in mind as you're going here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so far we've kind of been focusing on the call labeling side of things. So let's kind of shift a little bit to call blocking then. Where is this call blocking actually happening? Is a phone number being blocked at that outpost level or is this happening at the originating number on that phone line? That's a really interesting question. So historically, we had seen that the numbers were blocked at the originating number level. So the original number carrying the traffic. However, with the new onset of all these call blocking apps, we're actually seeing numbers being blocked at the outpulse number as well. So we're seeing it on both sides now. So that's a really good question that you asked and really important to keep in mind. Okay, great. So, so when we're talking about prevention then from getting phone numbers blocked, what would you say your recommendations for this would be? So you need to protect all the numbers, the originating DID and the outpost Annie to make sure you're protected on all fronts. Okay, so once we're protecting all of these numbers from blocking and labeling, are there other ways then for businesses out there who are looking to improve their strategy from end to end to further enhance this reputation, like take it to the next level, or is there any other way to further increase the likelihood that calls are gonna be delivered and answer, answered more successfully? Your brand reputation is actually to evaluate a branded calling strategy. So branded calling is the ability to display your logo and your call reason on customers' handsets. So it's often accompanied by a green check mark. I don't know about you, but I'm much more likely to pick up the phone if I know it's a legal call, if it has a recognizable logo, and if it has a meaningful call reason. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, there are so many different reasons, too, a brand might be trying to connect with the consumer out there. Um, so some of this probably is going to come back to what is the intent of that call? So why is it, why are you as a business trying to reach out to somebody? Why would the consumer want to either answer that now? Would they want to prefer to see that you're calling, know that it was you, call you back later? Do you think that the intent of these campaigns we're talking about does come into play at all when we're looking at the potential effectiveness of moving forward with a branding strategy? Yeah, that's a good question. I think branding is important all the time, but I hear your question and there are certain industries where you might see an impact and where it might have more of an impact or less of an impact. For example, if you're in an industry like collections where consumers may be wary of answering your calls in the first place, the best way we'd suggest improving your contact rates 
is avoiding having your calls blocked in the first place. So this is going to be equally, if not more important for a collections agency than trying to display a logo. So all the things we talked about earlier in the call, all the ways you can manage your dialing behaviors and your dialing hygiene are going to come into play here to help you before we even come to Brandon, just get your calls through, make sure they're not being blocked. Uh, that being said, a recognizable brand showing a legitimate trusted logo gives people that extra ounce of trust to be able to respond to the call how they choose. And, you know, if a call does get blocked, um, you know, from our perspective, what I would say is that if your numbers are registered, your calls are not going to be blocked. So that's really an important factor here. We'll dive into that one in a little bit. But um, if a number is labeled, so now we're not talking about blocking anymore. We're talking about if the number gets a label on it, a spam label, a spam likely label, those numbers can actually be remediated with the carriers. So there's a lot of footwork that goes into that, but you actually have the ability, we actually have the ability to work with the analytics partners to have those labels downgraded. So we work with them, we send through a request. In that request, we provide a lot of context, we verify and vet the business, and then we go through a remediation process, working with the carriers back and forth until we can work with them to downgrade that rating. So that's also really important to stay ahead of your number hygiene and constantly be proactively looking at what the labels are, remediating if you see any labels come up that are of concern, and just keeping a consistent viewpoint into the ratings on all of your phone numbers so that we're consistently looking through and keeping them as healthy as possible. Yeah, that's a great point because it's really not just a do something once and then forget about it forever. There is that element of ongoing remediation, monitoring that is involved in this. So we are talking about remediation. How long is that typically going to take once we identify that there's a problem on a phone number? What happens? How long does that take? Good question. Uh, so it can take anywhere. It can take 24 hours up to about 36 hours. I'd say the average, we're probably looking at two to three business days to reach out to the carriers, provide them a good summary, get them the details they need. Once, you know, if you're a verified and registered business, they're, um, and, they're tr and you're trusted through, through, um, through your registration, they are more likely to remediate that number pretty quickly. Um, and if there's ever a case where they are unable to remediate, you know, finding out why, getting the information as to why that number isn't going through and what can be done to help improve the reputation on that phone number. And we can always go back a couple weeks later once we've improved the call hygiene and go back and ask for reconsideration again. And do things, so, so let's say we've gone through the process of remediation, the hygiene has been improved, the reputation's looking good, but then the dialing strategy totally changed. The business starts to use the phone number for something completely different. What do you think would be likely result of that? If it's within the same organization, um, you know, you can definitely use a number for different purposes, obviously. You wanna have the right call intent associated with the call. Um, so making sure that all the information associated to that phone number is correct is really important. Um, it's not to say that you can't do it, just make sure that the information that's all attached to that number is, is correct. Um, if you are grabbing numbers that have previously been used by another business, this is when you could potentially have some bad data or dirty data come along with the phone number. So it is really important to make sure that if numbers have 
come from another organization or are shifting to a different part of the business with a different caller ID or potentially have some historical bad reputation associated with them, that those numbers have rested for a significant period of time and that the carrier has re-registered the new correct information for that number. And let's kind of tie in to reputation as it relates to the branding. So we we also see questions coming in on how do the two play together? Is branding the same thing as labeling? Do they all happen in the same place? And I think it's probably important to mention here that a reputation strategy is going to be a very vital strategy to the success of branding as if you develop a bad reputation on a phone number that you're trying to brand on, that reputation can show instead of that branding. So it's really crucial to not just try to jump straight into branding and really level set the baseline on the reputation itself. Natalie, is that what what you guys are seeing as well? Yeah, and that's always the approach we take. So the first thing we always work with customers on is working on getting the reputation on the phone number clean getting all of the labeling removed, getting the calls that may have been blocked cleared, and continuously monitoring that effort. When we know that that effort is working and is good, we we layer on the branding. The branding adds an extra layer of protection on those phone numbers. The branding adds that extra trust in a consumer when they see that number come through. But you're right, you don't wanna just go ahead and jump into a branded strategy without making sure that the hygiene on your numbers is is already in good shape. And it really kind of depends on what the outcome of the branding is anyhow. I think trust, increasing trust, increasing that consumer recognition in your calls is a great uh, expectation to have with branding. Some folks, think it's all about the contact rates. And I know we've got another question queued up about specifically about contact rates, but something interesting that we've found is with the branding, it's not always that you're gonna have a direct correlation to increase live answer rates, but it could be that you see more callbacks coming through because that branding is also gonna be sitting there in that missed call log. So if even if a person knows it's exactly this is who it is is calling me and they're calling me right now, I just can't answer right now. I do want to talk to this business though. Now I know that it's exactly who that was. I have that trust to call them back later, knowing that it's the real them. So there's always multiple things to think about anytime you're looking to structure improvements is I think, and Natalie, I'm wondering if you might agree with this, that there's there's more than just the answer rate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're talking about We're talking about how your brand is seen out in the entire calling ecosystem in a customer's mind when they look at their phone and they look in their call history and they either see your number 10 times, it might have some labeling, some negative labeling attached, or it might just have the business's name, or you look in your call history and you see that the number's called you a couple times, they've had a really good dialing strategy, so they haven't over-dialed you, and on top of that, they're now, with the branded calling, they have the green check mark displayed, you know it's a verified, legitimate legal call. Um, you absolutely are right, Molly. There's a lot more than just looking at, are they picking up the phone the first time I call or versus the long-term strategy of have I improved the overall reputation and trust in my brand? So if if I was somebody who was focused on connect rates, contact rates, improving this now, I've got a question we're going to stick in here because we hear this one absolutely all the time. 
what if we just want to increase our contact rates? That's what we want to do. There's probably a million different ways to accomplish this, but if we're asking numerical and asking you some of the yeah. things on our perspective that would be huge drivers of this, what would you say some best practices would be that you could share for the folks listening out there to avoid developing negative reputation and getting blocked with the interest of improving, increasing, maintaining those contact rates? So that's a great question. And we hear this question all the time. There are so many factors at play when it comes to improving your contact rates. So I'll, I'll give a bit of a summary, um, but it's really important to understand, first of all, that good hygiene starts with a good dialing strategy. So I spoke earlier in the call and I gave you know a list of all those things you can do to look at your dialer and make sure that the settings are set accurately. A lot of people forget that they actually have the ability to see those settings on the dialer. So if you're using an automated dialer and I might ask people, well, what's your abandonment rate set at? And they go, I, I don't know. I don't know what my abandonment rate is. Well, almost every dialer out there that I've ever seen, all of these are settings. You can go in, talk to the dialer management team, um, look at the settings, make sure that you're not abandoning a high level of calls, make sure that the answer rate is set appropriately, make sure that there's enough time between calls, again, to help with that abandonment rate. Um, make sure that your max attempts are set accurately. So all the things we talked about earlier in the call, you can actually go in and most of those or a lot of those can be managed through simple dialer settings. So it's really important though. People sometimes seem to think that just push the dialer harder to get a higher contact rate. That's absolutely not accurate information. You really need to be careful. Uh, that will not only decrease your your contact rate in many cases it will really damage your brand's reputation as well so we really strongly suggest starting with a good dialing strategy um, and then the key in preventing the blocking and labeling is maintaining a healthy phone number reputation so monitoring the phone numbers and the reputation that comes along with them um, algorithms are dynamic they're changing all the time so you can't expect that because this week your numbers are clean that based on the dialing that you're doing over the next couple of weeks, that that rating doesn't change. So constantly having some insight into what those labels are and making sure that if there is a label, that there's a remediation process in place to go back and get that label removed. So that would be um, sort of another key. Um, then once you've gotten your reputation in check, adding branding to your calls, it really important to enhance consumer trust in, in your calls. So start with a really good dialing strategy. Make sure your numbers are not labeled or blocked by using a reputation management uh, program. And then now that you have that in check, make sure that if a label does happen, there's a remediation process in place. And then now that you have that baseline set, adding on the branded calling to enhance that trust. Um, and again, you're always going to be wanting to monitor any negative reputation just in case someone else might be potentially spoofing your phone numbers. So this one comes up, you know, some people ask why they would register their inbound phone numbers if they're not making outbound dials on that on that line. And, you know, we've come across instances where customers' phone numbers are actually spoofed. So you don't know that your inbound phone number is actually being used by somebody else to make outbound phone calls. So again, another really important reason why we might want to have all your numbers inbound and outbound registered. Yeah, and this is a great topic right now. Um, I'll also share that we just published a white paper on this very subject of what to do about 
spoofing. How do we know if there is a bad actor out there who's stolen my brand name and is calling people pretending to be me? So we'll go ahead and drop that link to, into the chat window now for that white paper as well. Um, the industry is working hard to protect against spoofing, but if people are, are able to continue to evolve more quickly than the technology and are out there stealing your number now, there are monitoring solutions in place to be able to kind of find these people to at least be able to get some evidence of here's all the ways that people are misusing my brand. Here's some scripts of the ways that they're calling people and leaving voicemail. And then things like that can be used to help the trace pack group find the source of these and look to get it shut down. So it really is an end-to-end -end strategy with a whole lot of things going into it. So that's, you know, there's no one silver bullet solution answer to what's the best way to increase my contact rates, but there's a lot of different things you can do, which is great news. And I think Natalie, you've shared a ton of insight around some super baseline strategies to just start the process to get everything healthy. So you can then start to experiment and see what exactly works, you know, just right for your business and what you're trying to do. Absolutely. So I think we should shift over to some questions from the audience now. I see a really good one here that I'd like to get us started with. So this one is, what should I do when an agent says all of a sudden their caller ID is coming up with another company name or getting blocked more often? Yeah, that's a good question. So as you know, it's really not uncommon for call center associates to hear this feedback from their customers. We hear it all the time. So there's two things we need to consider here. It's kind of a two part question. The first we'll talk about is the blocking mentioned, and then we'll talk about the caller ID. So regarding the blocking, the question really is this, is the number being blocked by analytics or not? If your numbers are registered, we should be able to rule this out. So your numbers will not be blocked by the analytics partners if your numbers are registered. Now, the thing to ask yourself is whether or not the number is actually being blocked or is it anecdotal feedback from the reps because they've seen a decrease in contact rates. So the dialer should be able to identify this for you. Um, and if the number is in fact being blocked and the number is registered, you can follow up with your service provider as this would likely be a network issue and not related to the analytics. Um, and it would be, you should be able to do some testing or the carrier should be able to do some testing to identify where that breakdown is occurring. And if your numbers are not registered, you can't be certain that your calls will never be blocked. So you can absolutely implement all the strategies we talked about on the call today. Um, this will definitely help improve your chances of not being blocked. But as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the analytics partners are not standardized in the way that their algorithms work. So they don't share the secret sauce with us. So you really cannot guarantee if your calls are not registered and you put all of the dialing strategies in place that we talked about today, you still can't guarantee that you won't be blocked. And again, you might be blocked with one carrier and not with another. Um, it could be the CPAS provider that you're using. Um, if the client is using, if you're using a vendor, um, to, to do your phone calls with. So there's so many factors out there, um, which is why you know we recommend that your numbers be registered in the first place. Um, so that's sort of the first part. Regarding the other company um, coming up on the caller ID, caller ID is a very interesting topic. Uh, so each wireless carrier is treating caller ID name display with a little different flair in terms of what they are and what they're not displaying and what the subscribers on their networks have to do in order to receive caller ID name display. So 
in most cases, cell phone users actually have to subscribe to enhanced caller ID to see the name displayed. So a lot of the time we get feedback that, oh, I don't see the name coming up. Well, or I've heard that the name is not coming up. Well, in a lot of the cases, it's because the subscriber, so the person who owns that cell phone actually doesn't subscribe to the enhanced caller ID name display. So that's a lot, oftentimes the reason why a name might not be displaying. Um, and the carriers use a variety of sources. So they use CNAM databases, they use registration information, they use all sorts of sources to identify what they're going to um, push out as the caller ID. So if a number is appearing with a different business name, you may want to follow up with the providers you obtained your numbers from. It's ultimately the carrier's responsibility and your service provider can submit a CNAM update on your behalf as well. You also, if you belong to, um, if you're using a BPO or a cloud platform to do your dialing on and they rotate numbers, you have to keep in mind that sometimes those numbers are rotated frequently. And I mentioned this earlier in the call, if you receive a number that was recently rotated out from another partner or another client, you might have their brand's reputation associated and you're now using these phone numbers to dial with. So we see that often. So when you procure new numbers, it's really important to make sure, and I said this earlier, that those numbers have rested for you know, at least 90 days. Make sure to ask the, um, the, the BPO or whoever you're procuring your numbers from, make sure to ask them that those numbers are clean and have rested. Um, and the other thing to, to keep in mind is to make sure that when you're using a cloud-based um, service that the number that they are using to dial from so that those those trigger annies the numbers that they are using to dial from are also registered so you want to make sure that all phone numbers are registered sometimes they provide you with a phone number but on the back end they're actually using a different number to make the phone call from so we have to register all the numbers that could potentially be in the chain to make sure that your numbers are free of blocking that's interesting too, because we talk about registration in terms of trying to reset the baseline or clearing out negative reputation, but this might be a little known fact that registration also goes, goes towards cleaning out that whoever's name used to be associated with it as well. This might be something that folks are, out there aren't thinking about, especially if they're not focused on a caller ID name strategy whatsoever. But um, if you're not thinking about how your name is showing up and you don't know, then it could almost be anything from whomever was using it at any point in time until the number gets registered to reconnect who you are now with this phone number that is now within your authorized usage. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, um, I think, an interesting thing to think about in terms of what is the expected outcome of attaching a, a caller name or a brain name to an outbound call. Um, we were talking a lot about CNAM, but even when we're talking about the new caller ID technologies for call branding, um, you've got to think about the people that you are calling. What devices are they on? What networks are they on? Because it's still not one centralized technology that you, you push your brain name out and everyone out there and every different type of cell phone and every different network is going to see that. It's still not, it's still not there. So you've really got to put the strategy in place around who are you trying to call, what are your expectations around the technologies, understanding that there will be nuances and different ways slightly that things will be displayed in different lengths. Maybe there's a logo, maybe there's not a logo. It really does depend down to the device level too. Yeah, and right now with branded calling, you know, you can go out and you can work individually with everybody across the entire calling ecosystem, or you could try to work with an aggregator to make things simpler who has the experience um, in getting your branded calling out there. But you're right, if you go out to one 
one provider and you work with them on branding, you're only covering a small portion of the calling ecosystem. So as branding evolves and as branding becomes more prevalent, um, you know, hopefully those that becomes um, a little bit more centralized. But right now there's are so many different places that you would be going to get your branding in check. Um, so you're right, you need to have your branding established across the entire calling ecosystem, work with an aggregator who can do that for you. And, um, and as the branded calling evolves, you'll start to see that that over time will start to be a much more prevalent issue than what we've historically seen with bad data being attached to old phone numbers. So that's, that's the good news. That's great. And we, we continue to get many, many questions in about branded calling all the time. So we'll continue to use platforms like this to spread awareness around what all is, is capable out there. Natalie, maybe you'd like to come back with us in the future and we could talk more about how branding is tied into a great number management strategy as we get even more data to back up what we're seeing with some of the early adopters out there who are moving and grooving on branding and seeing some really cool things happening as a result. Absolutely. It would be a pleasure. So I wanted to thank you, Natalie, for joining us. It was really awesome to have you on here today. Um, thanks for everybody who's on the line listening as well. We were really excited to be able to get together today to do a deep dive into the world of number reputation management, something that's obviously very near and dear to our hearts here at Numerical. And uh, we love to have the expertise in from our client engagement team. So thank you, Natalie, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we hope to see everybody back again for our next live session. This is going to be on Tuesday, June 21st. We're going to have Kevin Rupi back again from Wiley Law to talk now about the new regulatory decisions that are coming out impacting call delivery. So thanks again, everybody, and take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks, your source of truth in the communications industry. Thanks for tuning in to our first episode on number reputation management. If you have any lingering questions, fill out the Contact Us form on our website and we'll be sure to get those answered. Coming up next time on Tuesday, June 21st, we welcome back Kevin Rupi, partner at Wiley Law, to discuss the recent FCC regulatory decisions that are impacting call delivery with a special perspective on gateway providers and foreign-originated robocalls. We hope to see you there.